if you would, this evening and turn to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 this evening. We've been looking at the first part of Ecclesiastes last couple of weeks. The first week we looked at the history, the background of the person who wrote Ecclesiastes. We believe it's Solomon who wrote Ecclesiastes. Look about his background and reason why he wrote what he did. Remember as a young man he wrote Song of Solomon, obviously. As an older man, a married man with children, he wrote Proverbs. And now as the elder preacher... As a man who failed, man who'd made many mistakes in life, he made a decision instead of being bitter. That's how the devil wants you to end your life. He wants you to be bitter, divided, depressed, discouraged, and destroyed. Do not let the devil do that to you. That's exactly what he wants you to do. But instead of being bitter, he was broken. How do we know he's broken? Because God used him to write the word of God. If he was bitter, he wouldn't be writing these to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He was broken over his sin and he wanted to share some things. He, before the end of his life, which was coming very close, he wanted to share some very important things. And that's why he wrote, I believe, on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Ecclesiastes, this preacher. And we looked at the first several books, several verses, excuse me. We talked about his favorite word, which is vanity. And vanity doesn't mean being vain or proud of yourself, or in that sense, it means nothingness. Uh, the Bible says that life is a, a vapor. It appears for a little time and, and vanisheth away. A few cold days, the few, very few cold days we get down here in uh, north central Florida, we can blow our breath and see a little bit, get more of that towards North Carolina, a whole lot more towards Michigan and uh, where some of you folks up there in and great north white tundra place. Get more of that up there. But down here, don't get that. Don't get that. But, you know, more we probably see out of your exhaust in the back of your car. You see it for a little bit. It's there. Then it's gone. That's how life is. And he says life is basically nothing. It's meaningless. And he uses this term nearly 37 times. Uses it in verse 2 five times. And he's basically writing this from a perspective, as I said, a person who's under the sun. That's his second better favorite phrase that we find in verse 3. Verse 3, what profit hath the man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? So he's writing from a perspective of a person who's a natural man living his life outside of the will of God, outside of knowing God. And we said life outside of God is meaningless. Life outside of God is meaningless. There is no, there's no purpose really in life. What's the purpose of, of getting up, going to bed, going to work, doing the same thing over and over and over and over to die, to go to a devil's hell forever and ever and ever? Life without God is meaningless. And so that's how he's writing this perspective. And so we're going to continue down this path, and he's going to give more examples why life without God is really meaningless. And we know he concludes this whole book by saying, fear God and keep his commandments. That's the most important thing. So let's read this, this evening, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. The, All things are full of labor, men cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be? See, this is new, is hath already of old time, which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come. 
with those things shall come after. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this night. Thank you for allowing us to be in your house, to hear your word preached, to fellowship, to sing these old wonderful gospel songs. Thank you for everyone that's here. Bless now your holy word as it's taught and preached. Give us ears to hear and understanding, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In the 1600s, I read this week, a Dutch scientist invented the prototype, what we would call the slide projector. We don't see many slide projectors. That's kind of the went the way of the dodo. We now use more like PowerPoint. But remember, if you remember slide projectors, remember missionaries used to come in, they'd have the old slide projectors and they'd do it and sometimes it'd, it'd break and yeah, you remember all those, all those, those days. Well, in the 1600s, the scientist, he came up with a slide projector and they ultimately, what he did was he would projected light through a painted glass and made an image larger than life on the screen. Uh, this projector back then, in the very beginning, was called a magic lantern. Well, uh, you know how things progress. Not too long after that, in the Globe Theater in London, his magic lantern was used to create special uh, dramatic images by reflecting that light off a mirror and to, a, to, a, to the screen uh, through a smoky, smoky air. And so these images would seem to be alive, and it created a dramatic sensation. And, of course, when you have something like that, you're always going to have some people try to use it. There was a guy about to use it for Ill, Ill, Ill gain. There was a guy by the name of Joan, Jan Chopar. Uh, he was famous for using the smoke and mirrors to, to claim he was bringing up spirits from the dead. And he used this magic lantern to deceive audiences and even royalty. In the 19th century, uh, the illusion was popular for fortune tellers. It was used at amusement parks. And we call it today smoke and mirrors. Smoke and mirrors. The phrase smoke and mirrors has actually found its way into the Cambridge Dictionary. It is defined as an illusion that makes you believe what you're experiencing is true or real when it is neither true nor real. Uh, you may have seen some smoke and mirrors, especially in politics, all the time. Smoke and mirrors. Well, if you come to the end, the conclusion of his life, Solomon basically saying that most of life is smoke and mirrors. It seems like this way, but it's really not. And he's coming to a conclusion, coming from this perspective, that life under the sun, expression we mentioned so many times, uh, from this perspective, this godly person is, is really, it, it's nothing without God. And he kind of, as we kind of give a, a background of what we talked about already, he, he, he says, uh, first of all, life lessons under the sun, that first of all, we can't sidestep the funeral procession, meaning you can't stop death. Do you know any way to stop death? Do you know anybody that's 500 years old? Do you know anybody who's two year, 200 years old? Do we know anybody who's 150 years old? Do you know anybody 125 years old? How many 100-year-olds do you know? You know one, Miss Peggy? How many of you know two people? Or three or four? I don't know too many. I don't know too many. The Bible says, one generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. It means one generation is going to come, another generation is going to end. It's going to continue. Secondly, we can't, we can't slow down the sun. Can't stop the sun, well, unless we're Joshua. Joshua did that, remember? 
We're not Joshua and call, Lord, stop the sun. Some of you wish you could stop the sun. If I only had 25 hours of the day, trust me, you'd find ways of filling up 25 hours. If you had 35 hours, you'd fill it up. If you had a whole other day, you'd fill it up. We find ways of filling it up. We can't slow it down. The sun also arises. The sun goeth down and hastes to a place where he rose. We, we, we fill up the time. Thirdly, we can't steer the wind. Can't steer the wind. Can't make wind go we want to. You're out there. You want to go kayaking, but you can't go hiking kayaking because the wind's blowing too much. You're out there playing basketball with a bunch of inmates. The wind's blowing. You can't make the basket. I mean, you have... You have your stories of, oh, it's the wind's fault. You're out there golfing. Trust me, it's not the wind's fault they missed that, that, missed that hole. I'm out there watching them. No, it's not the wind's fault. It's not the wind's fault. It's not the wind's fault. <laughs> but the wind goeth towards the south, turneth about the north. It worth the, about continuing the wind, returneth again according to its circuits. It goes where God wants us to go. So Solomon is saying if you all have a perspective of life down here under the sun, you're going to include the humanity as the mercy of the ecology, the, the nature. And a lot of people have that idea, right? Basically that Mother Nature is everything. I mean, especially in the Berkeley of the South. Brother Eric and I were walking down the road on visitation, and we were just, you know, getting ready to go down this path, and we saw, you know, a lady come out, and dogs, and I think we, we backed up out of that path pretty fast. And we got down the way a little farther, and the lady said, Where are you from? We said, North Gainesville Baptist Church. She said, where's that at? I said, we're on 39th, you know, past day's barbecue. She said, oh, that's the problem. We said, what? Oh, you put that church on God's green earth. Oh, oh, she didn't say God. She, she, she put that on Mother Earth. You, you're hurting the earth by that church being there. I wanted to say something else, but I knew myself better at the time. I just kept walking. I could have said, well, what's your house on, ma'am? But I decided not to say that. Because if I'd have said that, she'd have said something back. I'd have said something. And you know how that goes. It never, it's a, that's a lose, 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 lose. I've lost. You've lost. We've all lost that battle. So I just kept going. But she thought the ground is more important than a church. But dear friend, the church, without it, without the church, how can you hear the truth? Aren't you glad that young man who preached uh, this last Sunday talked about the importance of the local church? What if there wasn't a place to bring a person so they can hear about Jesus Christ? I don't know about you. I got saved in the church. I heard the gospel in the church. I'm going to heaven because of a church that I heard about God. Thank God for the church. Uh, thank God for the church. So Solomon shifts gears from the natural world to show us of the realm of human nature. Deliver four observations about life under the sun we're going to look at today these observations about human nature we looked at nature now human nature secondly so first of all we get tired of repetitions in life don't we you get tired of doing the same old same old you have the same hobbies and habits that you usually have you get up in the morning do the same thing over and over and you get tired of doing it you're making the same coffee the same tea you know listen to the same radio watching the same thing you get we get tired of those things, don't we? Get weary. We get the Bible says getting being weary and well doing. You ever get weary? You ever get tired of going to work? Man, we got quiet in here. You ever get tired of washing the dishes, ladies? I don't hear any man say a word. 
Yes. Brother Angoni says, yes. Tired of doing the, tired of doing the laundry? Tired of, uh, tired of vacuuming? Tired of dusting? Are you tired of doing the same thing over? You tired? Hey, I, I was out there Friday. I blew the entire church parking lot off. Next day I came out. All the leaves were back. They had the indignity of coming back after I just blew them all off this parking lot. They came back. How dare they? You know what? It needs to be done again. Summertime's coming, men. Going to cut the grass. I got about four or five more months, and my cutting grass days are starting all over again at home. My son's going to be gone. I think I might buy a better mower. You get tired of cutting the grass. You get tired of killing the fire ants. You get tired of killing the roaches. My, favorite, my wife's favorite animal, creature. <laughs> you, get, you get weary of doing these things, don't you? Tired of weary of pulling the weeds. Tired of washing the clothes. You get weary of it. Yeah, we do. We do. Secondly, not only that. Well, but he says, all things full of labor, man cannot utter to the eye. It's not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear... Filled with the hearing. Secondly, we aren't, we, we aren't satisfied with the experiences in life. We, we, we do something and we think it's wonderful. It ain't, it ain't long. We so let's go do something else. Or you go and you have the greatest time in your entire life, but you're not satisfied with that. You want to go do something else. Well, 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 you know, how many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? Put your hands down. How many of you have been to Pikes Peak? How many have been to Key West? You know, I looked at the 23 greatest places in Florida. They said number one was sunset at Key West. How many of you have seen the sunset at Key West? It's beautiful, isn't it? I said number one. There was 23 things. I only seen seven of them. I only saw seven of them. But isn't that something about us? We see something and say, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. And we think, okay, we're done with that. We, we can't see anything greater. Then for a long time, so, you know, we've got to go on vacation. What are we going to go see? Where's, a, where's another beach? Where's another place? And you, then, you know, you've got to go to Israel. Got to go see this and got to go see that. They had a little survey. What do what, what we, we miss in Israel? Well, I could have gone seen this. I could have gone seen this. Gone, I mean, you could just stay and stay and stay and see stuff, right? But it's our human nature that wants to do more, see more. The Bible says the eye is not satisfied with seeing nor the ear filled with the hearing. Thirdly, not only we're we not satisfied with the experiences of life, we don't create anything new in life. He said, well, I see new things all the time. Really? Yeah, pretty much everything is pretty much how it is, right? You see any new type of human beings re recently? No, they say there's no type of human beings, but there really is not. There's a man and a woman, and that's all there is, folks. There's no mutations in between. You know, I heard recently that, you know, people are identifying all kinds of stuff. Uh, somebody, some, I saw a lady said, you know, people are identifying as a, a man's a woman, a woman's a man. She says, I want to identify, I'm, I'm a chubby woman, but I want to identify as being skinny. I just, I say, I'm skinny. I'm, I'm just going to be skinny. But you know, crazy people, I heard that people in kids nowadays in schools are identifying as cats. I mean, this is real. They really got, they're dressing up like cats with a tail, and they're even putting litter boxes in the classrooms. Now, folks, 
you thought things are crazy when you go from man to woman. But when you start dressing up and acting like a, a, an animal and a cat, because you can't never trust a cat. You don't know never what's going to do. <laughs> they could be the most friendliest creatures in the world, and all of a sudden, scratch you. I was over there in Israel, and man, this cat come up and just out of nowhere and was, and was just, just rubbing all against me, one of the friendliest creatures and everything. I, I went down there and pet it, and I pet it, and it purred. Next thing, it bit me. I, cut, I said, what happened there? It went from purr to hiss. You know? Uh, they're, they're, you say that you say well, you know what that's been going on for, for from the beginning of, of time beginning of time stuff like that's been going on you remember your first car <laughs> uh, you say well things things change well, you still got tires right they haven't made it where they start flying they may probably get there for long but things are pretty much the way it's, it's going to be we, we don't create anything new even Thomas Edison who, who uh, invented the carbon microphone to the light bulb to the nickel iron uh, battery to the phonograph? He said, My inventions are only bringing out secrets that already exist in nature. That's what he said. There's nothing new about human beings that hasn't already been observed in ages before us. One author wrote, Young people of today have no reverence of parenting or old age. They're impatient of all restraint. They talk as if they know nothing. That was written a thousand years ago. Sounds like today, doesn't it? Another person wrote, children have bad manners, contempt for authority. They disrespect their elders. You know who wrote that? Socrates, 2,400 years ago. You think that's happening today? It's happening right now, too. Yeah, that's the observation he made. Number four, we won't be remembered after the end of life. We won't be remembered. You think, well, oh, man, we'll remember this. Mm, no, we won't. No, we won't. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes verse 11. There's no remembrance of former things, nor will there be in remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. This gentleman right here, you know who this is, don't you? You know what he said? Christianity will vanish and shrink. I don't argue with that. I'm right, and I will be proved right. We are more popular now than Jesus. Uh, Mr. Lennon, I think you're wrong. Where's Lennon at right now? Where's Jesus at right now? A billion years from now, we will remember we were talking about Jesus. A billion years from now, we won't even think about Lennon, no matter what he sings. One man wrote, Today's celebrities are tomorrow's obituaries. Today's celebrities are tomorrow's obituaries. Why? Because we live. We live. We die. You're here for a little time and you vanish away. That's what happens. But that's temporal things. Eternal things matter. That's why the, the psalmist David could look up in the sky and he could declare in Psalm 19 verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Yes, outside of God, things are pointless. One atheist philosopher said, We stand on the shore of an ocean, crying to the night and the emptiness. Sometimes a voice answers out of the darkness, but it's a voice of one drowning. And the moment, the silence returns. Well, if, I, if that is all you have to look forward to, then why even live? Why even live? But that's life outside of God. But the person who knows Jesus Christ knows God 
Everything's going to be new. <laughs> we're, looking for, we're looking for new stuff. We're going to have new stuff. We're going to have a new name, Isaiah 62. We're going to have a new, new heart. When you become a Christian, you have a new heart. We're new creations in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Life is new. Life is different. We have a new song. We have a new home. We go into a new place where there won't be any weeds. There won't be any cockroaches. And there won't be any uh, 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 red ants and snakes. <laughs> Brother Eric, he'll be thanking God every day. No snakes. <laughs> no snakes or spiders or scorpions. We're going to have a, going to be a crystal river. The pavement's going to be gold. And Jesus Christ right now is preparing us a mansion, each one of us. Oh, Brother, brother George, you won't have to repair anything, brother. Won't have to fix anything. Won't have to paint anything. Won't have to put, if you live in Florida, every so often you're going to, you're going to, have to kill some mold, right? You ever killed any mold down here? Yeah, you, you killed any mold all the time. Because we're down here in the about tropics. Yeah. That's all going to be done. We're going to have a new home. We're going to have a new life. We've been given a new name. We have a new song. It's new. I will never be forgotten. <laughs> yeah, we won't be forgotten. The Bible says about heaven, eyes have never, have, have never seen or ears heard or heart of man have imagined what God prepared for those who, to, who love him. He's not going to forget us. He's not going to betray us. We have purpose in life. Life has meaning for a Christian. Lives have purpose. What you do, your decisions you make, the time you spend with God, the prayers that you make, the tears in the middle of the night that you cry for that, that soul that's struggling, it matters. Life matters. God's not going to forget anything. The Bible says that even the tears are in a bottle. I don't quite understand all that. But he sees you. He sees you in your circumstance where you right are right now. When you think nobody else sees you, nobody else cares, nobody else knows, he sees you. And he hears you. He hears your prayers. He hears your cries. You're not forgotten. He hasn't given up on you. The world may say, well, who cares? Well, God cares. But for us as Christians, we know he cares. We know he cares. He cares about the hairs on our head. He cares about the birds. He cares. We were watching. We were at the, me and Brother Pete and Brother Bob were at the Lancaster Correctional Institute today. They showed a film called Show Me the Father. If you get a chance to watch it, I encourage you to. It's about two hours long, but it's worth every minute of it. Very powerful, very powerful. I met a man there afterwards. They asked us to come be counselors, and we all had opportunity to talk to some men afterwards. And this one man came to me and I'm just said, he said, I'm just so concerned about my son. I have a young son, a teenage, teenage son. He's making some bad decisions. He said, I don't know what I'm, what I, I don't know what to do. I said, I'll tell you what to do. Pray for your son. Communicate with your son. 
Tell him you care about him. Will you call him, text him, write him, email him. Let him know that you are present. Even though you're in prison right now, let him know you want to be present in his life. Admit your failures. Be transparent with him. But let him know you care. 13 is a difficult age. Many of you have raised a 13-year-old. Amen. It's, it's, not the, not the, it's not the easiest thing in the world. He doesn't know who he is. How are you going to know who he is? But just be there, be consistent, be constant, and let him know you care and you love him. You know what? That's what God does to us every day, doesn't he? You wake up in the morning, you look up in the sunshine, you see he cares. You read his word, he cares. You hear the word, you hear the word preached, you, you read the word, you see what he's done for you, the, world, the, the earth screams that he cares for us. And you know what you need to do every once in a while when you get down, you get sad, and life seems, seems unfair? Just list out all the things that God has done for you. The old song says, count your blessings, name them one by one. What has God done for me today? Well, first of all, you woke up, right? You got up, you got up out of bed. For some of you, maybe you, didn't, you weren't in pain this morning. We're usually in pain, or maybe not as pain as you bad as you were yesterday. Thankful. Thankful you're not in the hospital, aren't you, Brother Chuck? Thank you're not in rehab. Amen. <laughs> Thankful we didn't have to stay in prison today. They let us out. <laughs> Thankful we had nourishment. Thankful we got a, a roof over our head. Thankful for air conditioning in Florida. Imagine life without it. Just think about the many things that God has done for you. And that will turn that frown upside down. Be thankful for life. Because God himself is the giver of life. We have life and opportunity. And even today we still have freedoms. We still have freedom. Freedom to go to a prison and preach the gospel. Freedom to go down to the University of Florida and pass out a track. Freedom to be in here in this house, this house of God and preach the gospel. And open the Bible. We still have these freedoms. And while we still have these freedoms by the grace of God, let's use them. Let's use them because there might be a day when we don't have these freedoms. But today we do. And thank God for today. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the abundant mercy you've showed upon us. Lord, you've showered with us so many things. I pray, Lord, today you'd help us to be thankful, help us to be grateful. Help us, Lord, to be content. Well, the Bible says, with food and raiment, let us therefore be content. Lord, you've given us so much, you've given us so many things, you've helped us, you've guided us, you've directed us. Lord, thank you for the many blessings you've bestowed upon us. Maybe this evening you've gotten here, you've been discouraged. Maybe things in your marriage, things in your finances, things in your life troubles and trials you're going through maybe nobody else knows about maybe you walked in here feeling lower than a snake's belly maybe like a, a zero with, your, with a rim rubbed out feel like just nothing matters and nobody cares and old dear friend may we be reminded that God cares about us yes outside of Christianity and God it seems meaningless but with God there is meaning there is purpose and there is hope I hope today that every one of you knows Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. And if you don't, I pray that you'd come to see myself, my wife, or the Pete, someone else. We could show you from the Bible how you could be saved. But as we're most of us Christians here, as a piano plays, maybe your heart's 
been discouraged this evening. Maybe you're downtrodden about some news you heard tonight or this today. Maybe you got bad news. Maybe someone said something, someone did something, and things aren't looking quite the way you thought they would be. You say, preacher, I need it tonight. I need to, I need to be reminded of what God has done for me. I need to be reminded how good he is and what he's done and the many blessings he's bestowed upon me. Would you pray for me that I would be encouraged? That I wouldn't forget what God has done, that I wouldn't focus on the negative, but I'd focus on the positive and all the blessings he's bestowed upon me. I need to be encouraged. I need to look at what God has done, not look at what hasn't been happening in my life. Would you pray for me tonight? Anybody be honest tonight? Would you pray for me, preacher? Anybody tonight? I'm struggling. Maybe discouraged, downhearted, been sad, depressed. You pray for me, preacher. God help me. Amen. Someone else. I need God's. I need encouragement. I need encouragement. Would you pray for me? Anybody else this evening? Amen. Let's stand to our feet this evening. If God has spoken in your heart, you want to come to this old altar and ask God for help. Things aren't going the way you want them to go. Would you just cast your burden on the Lord? Let Him sustain you. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's some other personal issue with someone else. You're struggling. Dear friend, go to God. In the Word of God, it has the answers. Trust Him. You trusted Him to save you. Now trust Him in the very details of life to get you through the troubles that are before you.